The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your DFS preview for this week's Valero Texas Open tier by tier, breaking down all, eh, most, eh, some of the players in the field. Seeing a shot here to help me along the way. Hello, Sia. Well, we always say it when we have these, what, what I hate to call it, but like these lesser events because the talent is a little bit watered down. You know, Rick, you're all, you're famous for saying, you know, the, the money that you win in DFS is is literally it's the same thousand bucks or ten thousand or one hundred dollars that you can win at the Masters next week. But what I'll tell you is I personally have done really well in some of these kind of like lower tiered tournaments where and, and I think this makes sense. Right. For people who are do, like doing this and studying the data, those diamonds in the rough become just kind, kind of diamonds, period, when you're really kind of looking at at some of the numbers and some of the trajectories of some of these lesser guys that other people may not be paying attention to. That money spends just as well, uh, from what I understand. So no reason to change our process. We're certainly not going to. Before we jump into this real quick, I must let the people know that the link for the fan one and done selection, that is in the description right now. You can go get your vote in and see who you guys end up with for this week. I will also let you know that we are bearing down on 10,000 YouTube subscribers, and I'll make this promise. If you are a 10,000th subscriber, I will thank you. Wow. That's yes. big time. Well, Wait, I was so- thinking, do you know, okay, well, I backed out of that because I was like, one, I don't even know if we're going to be able to identify who it is. Mm-hmm, and I fair. also and I also didn't want people to try to time it where yeah. they are not subscribing now because they're waiting. Yes. So I kind of, as my brain was going through that scenario, I was thinking, man, I'm incentivizing the wrong stuff here. I don't really want to say this. Well, if we can, if we can isolate who has subscribed from, let's say like a week ago to whenever we get past 10,000, is there a way we can kind of lottery style, like the, the 500 names it took us to get there and just pick one out so that nobody's actually waiting for it? I think that might be a good way to do it. 
Yeah, I mean, sure. If we can do that, that would be a great way to do it. Uh, and and some, if, you, if you do, Rick will thank you. So. Someone smarter than me will have to figure that out. And then uh, I will thank you or we'll figure something out if we can if we can do it. But yeah, help us help us along the way. We're uh, obviously trying to grow this so we can continue to do more and more great stuff. Um, let's talk about TPC San Antonio this week. You kind of mentioned it, Sia. It is a lesser field. It's not a designated event. And obviously with uh, the Masters next week, there are guys who have opted to take the week off, uh, get right, get rested, get to Augusta earlier. We still have a couple of top tier names at the top, like Ricky and Terrell Hatton. Hideki's here. Uh, Corey Connors is here. But the depth of this field is not going to be like what we see at those elevated events. No, it's not, but it's still going to be great golf. I mean, again, this is one of those things where I'm going to, it's so weird. This is going to be really weird for me to say, and people are going to think it's not true. Of course, I'm looking forward to the Masters more than I am the Valero Texas Open, but I got to say my excitement level in terms of building DFS lineups, and, and let's be honest, when it comes to me personally, the most exciting thing for me week to week is like the DFS lineups. That's just how that's just how I'm built. I mean, I, I bet, as, as everybody knows, I do the early wedge with Coach and Patrick McDonald every Tuesday at three o'clock. And so we got a lot of betting there. We got a lot of DFS here on the first cut. That's sort of my wheelhouse. So I'm really excited that the fact that Hatton is at the top and Hideki is at the top and Corey Connors is at the top, Ricky Fowler. I'm excited about talking about those guys and fading them or playing them in DFS. So, yeah, it's not a loaded field by any means. But, boy, they're, again, diamonds in the rough. There are some guys in that 7K range that I love, in the 8K range that I love, and especially the 9K range, which I typically love. All right. Well, before we talk about the field, let's talk about the golf course. Troy, if you could share my screen, that'd be just splendid. We'll show my website, rickrungood.com. This is the course key stats model. We are headed to TPC San Antonio. It is 36 out. It is 36 in. That is a par 72, playing about 7,400 yards. And see, it is, it's okay. At least from a statistical standpoint, right? There, there's not a lot of outlier situations. There's not a lot of unique things that show up in the correlation model that are going to put us towards one way or another. But how do we start to look for things that are important this week? For me, and I'm curious, I want to kind of get your comments on why you think one putt percentage is at the top of that stat list that we see here on YouTube. But for me, you know, obviously there's not much to this course in terms of like something that really sticks out. Obviously, when we look at the model here, there are things that stick out. I mean, we see T to green, strokes gain total, of course, um, off the T approach around the green looks to have some prominence for me i'm really looking at i've been looking at global stats a lot lately like in certain courses like t to green greens and regulation so i'm looking at that i'm looking at the weighted stuff which you can find yeah. on run good i absolutely love that stuff um but it's going to be approach it's going to be ball striking i'd like to keep it in the fairway even though the rough isn't super penal um, so ball striking approach, T to green, th those are the things I'm really focused on. Yeah. So to answer your question, why I think one putt percentage is ranked so highly is because I think that's, I think it's just random. I think it's, you yeah. know, that's not a, it's not a great predictive stat and it has to show up someplace and it shows up here. I think, I think what you've said is, is right. There's a couple of things that stand out to me, um, you know, driving accuracy, not super important to an extent. 
you're in the fair. These are hard fairways to hit or harder than tour average, but there's not a lot of penal rough. The only thing you can't do is spray it super wide where you start mm-hmm. to get into like the rocks and the nasty stuff. And then uh, despite these greens being larger than tour average, they're not as easy to hit. So the fact that strokes gain around the green is co- kind of like the most prominent stat here. It's 17th out of 50, which means there's 16 other courses on the PGA tour in which um, strokes gain around the green is more important. So this is like a, top third of mm-hmm. of the courses um i think that makes sense as well because a lot of guys are going to be playing from greenside so that one passes the sniff test to me so keep it in play good drive percentage or distance from edge of fairway around the green and then yeah just like go score go be great like i'm not i'm not going to get too crazy this week i think i'm just going to play the best golfers yeah, and the around the green stuff does make sense. I tend to emphasize around the green a little less than most, even like even during like big tournaments where people are really kind of fixated on it. But yeah, it's definitely going to be something I'm going to look at. And especially when you're talking about, you know, greens and regulation and you're talking about the wind, which I actually haven't looked at the forecast yet. I don't know if it's going to be up or down, but it certainly could be up. We've seen that with the Texas winds before. So something to consider. And obviously that kind of bleeds into wave advantages and things of that nature. So it's obviously something to keep an eye on. Okay, let's start talking some names. Uh, We'll jump over to the cheat sheet and go 10,000, 9,000, 8,000, so on and so forth. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And we're back. Here's the cheat sheet for golfers over $10,000. 10009 for Terrell Hatton. 10500 for Hideki. 10200 for Ricky. And 10100 for Corey. Hideki, Ricky, Corey, and Terrell at the top. See, ya, where do we want to go from here? Yeah, this is really tough. There's two guys that came to mind. Like, listen, I understand everybody's going to like Terrell Hatton. Did I say it wrong? Is it is it Terrell? Um, I believe it's Terrell, but like I'm not I would I'm not like super confident. I think I'm like I'm like 85 percent sure it's Terrell Hatton. Let's just go with Hatton at this point. Uh, You know, the the hand thing last week did kind of like worry me a little bit going into this tournament. It doesn't seem like it's some sort of long term injury like that. What we might see with Hideki Matsuyama, who, frankly, I'm surprised has not withdrawn yet. Maybe that's going to be breaking news during this show. Uh, You know, I think Hatton's obviously a good course fit. I think the injury that he had to his hand. If you, you might not even want to call it an injury. I'm not really sure what to call it, but I think people by Tuesday or Wednesday will kind of have settled on whether that's a big deal or it's not a big deal. So I think ownership is going to be kind of blurry right now, but by Wednesday, people will just have decided whether they want to be on Hatton or not. I was, I was like, you know, caught up in the midst of everything else match. Did he ever address the hands? 
Not that I know of. No, I mean, I just know, I think everybody knows against Griffin that that first day he was kind of flexing it and it clearly bothered yeah, him. Yeah, but he played all three matches. You know what I mean? Yeah, and he played relatively poorly, right? So I didn't know if that that actually like had any sort of impact on him. I don't know either. Maybe now, assuming because he's one of the favorites this week, assuming we get there, I imagine. I guess I could just check it to see if he's on the presser schedule um, to see if somebody might ask about this. I just didn't know if he actually addressed it. But yeah, I mean, I don't know what to call it either. Is it an injury? Is it an inconvenience? Is it like I? I, I don't know the extent of it. If there is something to have an extent of. Yeah, and that's the thing is I'm probably overplaying it just by talking about it as much as I have. My understanding is that first day he took a couple of Tylenol and he was fine to play, which doesn't to me sounds like it probably wasn't much of an injury. Uh, he is on the Wednesday presser schedule. Oh, that's good to know. Uh, after his pro am, so hopefully, so okay. If somebody is out there listening who will be on site, uh, or maybe I'll find somebody who is, let's ask him about the hands, right? Like let's start, let's start making this a thing where we ask guys about like how they're feeling. Yeah. Cause that would be really helpful stuff by the way, uh, golf community. And here's the thing. If he plays in the pro-am, I, I suspect the hand injury is like not an injury at all. And we've already spent too much oxygen. I think that's going to be the best indicator regardless of a presser, um, as to whether or not that was like just a, a random one or, or two day thing. Obviously I like Hatton. If he's going to be really popular, I'm certainly willing to fade him. But when you, when you're looking at the metrics and you know, you're looking at T to green here, raw Rick. And I wonder if you click over to weighted, what that's going to look like for Hatton. Oh, um, okay. Last 36, last 24, however you want to do it, because I mean, it's just elite. It's just super elite stuff right there. Yeah. That's got to be the best. Yeah. By far the best in the field. By a lot. So, yeah. So, Hatton makes sense from an upside standpoint. It's not a, it's not a number I would bet at 12 to 1 personally, but in DFS, it's a reasonable price considering the rest of this field. But for starters, I, I kind of wanted to lean towards Ricky Fowler and Corey Connors. I'm not super inspired by either of those. And in the, the Fowler narrative, obviously, he wants to qualify for the Masters. That's not why I'm playing him. I'm playing him because the game has been really, really good. And I think in this field, we could see some of that approach play that we've seen over the last. I mean, obviously, at the match play, it doesn't look super good. But prior to that, the approach play has been pristine. The putter has been good. I think Ricky Fowler could absolutely win this. And I think his win equity is about as much as Terrell Hatton's is. So, so for me, it's, it's probably Fowler. And that's it. Maybe Hatton, maybe Connors. I'm kind of hoping everybody just wants to play. Like, I, I want to play Ricky, but I'm hoping everybody wants to play Ricky and I can just have Terrell for whatever yeah. whatever ownership discount I'm going to get. Ricky was 2-1 and one last week in match play. Didn't get out of his group. He did beat John Rahm, though. And I've got the match play strokes gain stuff here. If you see that for the match play, realize that uh, these are official numbers. They come straight from the PGA Tour, but they can be a little bit wonky because there are concessions. There are guys that aren't playing the same number of holes. So, But they're real. Uh, take, it, take it for what it's worth. Ricky lost half-stroke putting last week that's that's a real number uh over over three rounds so uh that is available to you i the way that i look at the 10k range um i don't have much interest in getting to hideki unless he's going to be like two percent owned which i cannot imagine he's going to be but like there's seemingly uh way too much risk for not enough uh, not enough reward at this point uh cory connors i i don't think there's a lot of risk but see uh, like this is it's cool to it's cool to roster cory connors when he's $8,000 $8,000 and he finishes T12. Now that he's 10,000, whatever you kind of need him to win. He's not, not really a winner. I mean, he won this event in 2019 and that's it. We, he yeah. hasn't really shown high upside win equity, very good floor, not great ceiling. 
And interestingly, the ball striking isn't what we'd want it to be for like Pete Corikanis. Granted, he like he jumps and he can spike with the ball striking. We saw it at the Sony Open. Uh, we saw it at the API. But yeah, I kind of agree with you. He was he was kind of my first look in the 10K range. He was the guy I think I liked the most. And when you look at his weighted TD green numbers, they're actually really good, but they're not as good as his prices. And I think, Rick, that goes to your point. It's one of those things where he's far enough down the list where you're like, wait, why am I taking Corey Connors again? Right. I love rostering Corey Connors when he's $2,000 cheaper than this. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're you're now asking for a lot, something that in you know four years or so he hasn't he hasn't really given us. So I'm, I'm, I'm probably just going to end up playing the game theory game with Ricky and Terrell and see how that shakes itself out and would need, would need to be either significantly convinced or see Connors or Hideki at like 5% ownership for me to be interested. Yeah. Which you might see with Hideki, but you're probably not going to see with Connors because I just think Connors is going to get just enough ownership to be like, yeah, I guess I'm, I'm not interested after all. I will yeah, say I mean, this. He's a past champ. He's a past champion. Past champions always get like that yeah. little extra boost. It's just, it's just going to be hard to get any one of those guys at the top at like some significant discount. Exactly. I will say this. If you are interested, and I'm not, by the way, but if you're interested in building a lineup with Hatton and Ricky, it leaves you with 7,200 and change. I believe 7,225. So you can actually fill out that roster if you're willing to put like a like a mid-6K guy in there and maybe a flat 7 or 7,100 guy in there. That'll give you the ability to finish your lineup in like the 7,500-ish range. Uh, not something I'm super interested in doing, but I, I felt like I wanted to point it out because those are two, I think, of the m- most popular guys in that 10K range. The 9K range, Taylor Montgomery, 99, Siwoo Kim, 97, Davis Riley, 95. Then we get Chris Kirk at 93, Matt Kuchar at 92, and Ryan Fox, $9,000 even. Sia, there is a guy in this tier uh, that I have quickly heated up on on early on this Monday, I do not usually heat this quickly. I usually take, okay, so I see something on Monday. I think about it on Tuesday. I get the ownership on Wednesday. I'm, I'm like on red alert for somebody in this, in this tier. What's so interesting is that I have no idea who it is, but <laughs> I'm, going, I'm going to guess <laughs> okay. because there's a guy that I literally never play. It's not because it's, it's not because he's blacklisted or because I don't like him. I just never get around to playing him. And, and a lot of people like to play this guy. And even even this tournament at the Valero, I'm like, I think I have to play him. And so I'm hoping it's your guy. It's Siwoo Kim. <laughs> it's Siwoo Kim. Is that it? Yeah. This is this is wild. I'm not like a big, super big Siwoo guy, but let's let's talk through this together here. So we've got a couple of situations. Um, one, Siwoo played fine. Last week, I think he had two points, two and a half points. But two, I think he got two points. Did not get out of his group. Whatever, I don't really care. Um, has always had this really high upside approach play, which we've seen, right? Plus seven at the players, plus eight at the Sony, plus eight in Houston, all this fun stuff. He's already putting better, but he has been like lights out at the Valero Texas Open over the mm-hmm. years. So I looked this up. So he's gained strokes putting in five straight. I looked this up. Uh, he has 11 courses in his career in which in which he has played uh at least 20 rounds only four of them i think is uh, he gained strokes on and tpc san antonio is his third best putting course so we kind of and and it shows right i mean look at the look at the results a bunch of top 25s a t4 in 2019 a t13 last year i think that he has uh a trending skill set and also 
the upside to win, which is not super common. Like, like does Taylor Montgomery have the upside to win? I don't know. Does Davis Riley? I don't know. Does Ryan Fox? Like, probably not. Like, mm-hmm. like I know who really does see Wu Kim. Yeah, I think the only other guy you could really say that for, and because we we just saw it, is Chris Kirk. So, and and he doesn't really strike me as the guy that's going to win twice in in a year, or certainly not twice in two months. So, yeah, I I, I agree with you. I, and we look at his history, and we just saw the metrics, but we look at the actual finishing positions. They look great. Yeah. What's really cool about the history that we just saw up here on YouTube, by the way, has everybody hit the like button already? Um, is that he didn't lean on like one thing. Like the putter was great, of course. You pointed that out, but. The ball striking was really good in most of those tournaments as well. And there, there was one in particular where I think he had, he picked up like eight strokes, maybe nine strokes ball striking. So, yeah, I, I – oh, it's 7.14, excuse me. And then 5.88. I, I, this is the Siwoo Kim tournament for me. I remember the other thing. The other thing is that – there is a stat called distance from edge of fairway, which is when you miss the fairway, how much do you miss it by? And he's like the third best. Like when he misses, he misses very small, which is the exact thing that you want mm-hmm. at this golf course. Just avoid the big miss off the tee, get hot with your irons and short game and win. That sounds like Cebu to me. It uh, sounds like Siwoo to me. And, I, you know, this is going to be one of those things where we're going to kick off. Well, we probably won't bring this up when we get to our Masters DFS preview, but he's either going to be like awesome or he's going to really burn me. And, and I only say that because I never play him. So I feel like it's going to be one or the other with Siwoo. But I definitely think if you just look at the metrics and you look at the history, I mean, you could, I mean, first of all, why is Taylor Montgomery priced ahead of him? I mean, you could easily put this guy, I know he doesn't deserve to be in the 10K range, but you could easily put him at a flat 10K. And then all of a sudden, what happens? It changes our complete perception of everything because when we evaluate the 10K range, everybody's going to be like, kind of like Siwoo. And so I think people like Siwoo in the 9K range too. I'm just saying, I think there's some value there because I, I think you could put him in the 10K range and it would be like, that's totally fair with, with this field. What's interesting is that I just did a lineup pairing Siwoo with my other two favorite guys in the 9K range. And they're they're kind of ho-hum, boring names. So you you already know where I'm going. <laughs> it's Kuchar. I just want to see you type it in. Yeah, it's Kuchar and it's Chris Kirk. I like Kuchar. Um, excuse me. I like Kirk more than I like Kuchar for this tournament. But I'll finish the thought. If you put Siwoo Kim, you start your lineup with him, and you put in Chris Kirk and Matt Kuchar, it leaves you with almost the exact same amount as Hatton and Ricky Fowler. 72-67 in this case, in, in the previous example with Hatton and Fowler, I believe it was 72-25. So you actually end up with a, a few extra dollars in this one. That's three players. I think it's a great way to start your lineup. Um, you know, Kuchar, I like his history. I, I like how he's been trending. Obviously, in match play, he was pretty good. He's also great around the green, if you want to emphasize that. And for the record, Chris Kirk is as well. Chris Kirk is excellent around the green, other than his last outing at match play but again like you said those are wonky stats i'm not really willing to invest in that but kirk number two weighted t to green over the last 24 rounds something to be said for that obviously good history here good recent history uh he's not a flashy guy but he's he's shown us that he can close out a tournament and uh i think i'm willing to invest in him at 9300 yeah i think there's a lot of great options in the nine thousand dollar range and and the guys that we pointed out are basically the most accurate right i mean the the only three guys in this range hitting over 60 percent of their fairways and they're doing it much more frequently than that siwoo 40 64 uh chris kirk 63 matt kuchar 63 percent and all of them have great history around tpc san antonio so this this passes the sniff test right like Mm -hmm. this this passes the sniff test for us um want to go to the eights 
Yeah, I'm curious though. You like Siwoo in the 9K range? Anybody else pop? Obviously, there's some there's some kind of yeah. like players here that people are are really starting to like, like Davis Riley a little bit. People liked him before, but Ryan Fox, like anybody that's flashing to you. So I'm not as high on Davis Riley for um, for this week. He is a, like I I worry that he's going to get himself in some situations around these green. Like he's going to have to out hit his short game. Uh, mm-hmm. especially around here, which which worries me a little bit. I'd almost like him better at like a, a, a ball-striking golf course, which, I, I mean, every golf course is a ball-striking golf course, but I think relatively this one is 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 a bit more where you're going to have to be nuanced around the greens. And then Ryan Fox, as much as I love the guy, I mean, he I, I, I just worry about that big miss off the tee and a lot of big numbers coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, those would be the only two concerns there. So, no, I think I think it's Siwoo. I think it's, I think it's Kuchar, two guys that I generally don't get a lot of access to. Chris Kirk, I think, is fair um and taylor montgomery i i think again uh i did not like what he did in that playoff against mackenzie hughes on on friday of last week i don't like how inaccurate he is off the tee i don't think his distance is like a super critical skill set he doesn't have any experience here so i'll i'll stick with the three guys with the great course history yeah i'm, I'm totally with that and frankly if if they if they become a little too popular I'm not I almost think the pivot is just in a completely different range. I mean, I, obviously, you can pivot to somebody next to to that person who's who's a lot lower owned, but I'm just not as interested in in those particular pivots. So my thought is if those guys are, are too popular for you, and I'm going to play a couple of those guys anyway, I can get different elsewhere. But I, my pivot would be in the construction of the lineup itself, as opposed yeah. to let me pivot from Chris Kirk to a, a low owned like, I don't know, uh, Ryan Fox, for example. Okay, fair. Why don't we continue this conversation on the other side? We'll go to the eights, the sevens, and the sixes. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Our defending champion is $8,900. That's JJ Spawn. Alex Noren is 88. Ben Griffin, 87. Christian Bazaden, Houghton, Matt Wallace are 86 and 85. Wallace fresh off his victory in Punta Cana. And then we round out this range with Thomas Dietrich. Cameron Davis, Adam Shank, Davis Thompson, Nikolai Horgard. This is actually another solid range that I like, Sia. How do you want to allocate our funds here? You know, I'm not a big fan of this range. I, I think yeah, I'm just not. I, I think Matt Wallace is very interesting. You know, if, if he hadn't played last week, I, I would have liked him. So obviously a lot of people are going to like him this week because he won. But if, if everybody recalls, we, we were mentioning Matt Wallace before it was cool to mention Matt Wallace. Just yeah, a few he's, weeks he's, back. he's been trending for a bit. Yeah, right. Um, and it was I think it was at the Honda Classic where we, we actually brought him up as, as a punt play in the 6900 range. But the, the point is, I do like Matt Wallace. He, he great. Like, again, regardless of the win, 
he was third here in 2021. So that needs to be said. One last week, obviously, top 15, weighted T to green. Um, and he's great around the green. So he kind of like fits all, all of the, he checks all yeah, the boxes. For yeah, him. this is the weird one where it's like, oh, the guy just won for the first time. Like, can he reset and refocus, right? This is right. that million dollar question of trying to get into the brain of a golfer um, who has reached the pinnacle of his sport. Now, now what? Which is weird. It's the only sport we do this in, but you're right. I think that uh, if I just, you know, if I just scroll down a little bit and just like remove, remove that win from his, from his profile, I, I, I like what I see, honestly. Yeah, I, I like what I see too. And, and I wonder how popular, like, this is one of those situations where I will be willing to pivot if he's super popular. Cause I'm not like in love with him, but I do like him and he's my favorite in the, in the 8k range. Um, kind of by far the other two guys that I'm interested in Adam Schenk. And uh, there's a little there's a little bias here because he almost you know I, I came in second place in a in a GPP just a couple of weeks ago in part thanks to him uh, you know it's so funny because we've seen the finishing positions with him and they haven't been great but he's been making cuts yeah but he's been doing it in a way where you know it's usually kind of frowned upon but for me when you have done it this many times in a row and you're doing it like in slightly different ways of course the putter and the short game's helping him out but. We have seen him gain off the tee a little bit here and there. He hasn't been awful on approach. I mean, he has been in some tournaments, but it's not like routinely awful. So I, I just think at a certain point, you got to like kind of like brush the metrics aside a little bit and be like, all right, this guy's just figuring out how to win or at least how to make the cut. And and in this particular tournament with this field, I think a, a, a typical Adam Shank make the cut in a loaded field could be like a top 10 in this field. And so I'm a little shy about it. I'm not in love with it. But I feel like he has to be considered. The only other guy I'm going to mention, Nikolai Hoyard, excuse me, I think has plenty of upside. I think there. So two things. So Shank, um, I, I like this a lot because you're right. He just finds a way to you know make cuts, finds a way to get himself in the mix, and that runner-up finish feels like very long ago. And I think people will just forget. I mean, he didn't play the match play. He did not play in Corrales. And it feels a lot like a long time ago. And everyone already forgot about it. He continues to play great golf. There is an argument to be made that Nikolai Hoygaard is criminally underpriced. Mm -hmm. $8,000 for a guy who finished second last week. But we, we, we talked about this like... He, this is not his first start ever, right? This was not like this flash in the pan thing. He was playing great in Europe. He finished T5 in Thailand, T13 at the Raz Al Kamai Championship, T10 in Abu Dhabi. He's a ball striking maniac. His game is well rounded. Like th- this kid's like a star and a star in the making. And like, what are we doing here? You know, we like th- this is. I, I don't know. Th- this is a really good profile and a much better profile than a guy who is priced. $8,000. And it's it's another situation, like I kind of just referred to with Adam Shank, where you almost want him coming into this tournament with the, the European tour statistics. Because, you know, if, if it's a loaded field, like we've had more often than not this year, then it's like, uh, is, this real, is this guy really going to measure up? But here we have such a watered down field, like this would be the time I'd be willing to take him because I'm not as worried about the Schefflers and the Spees or, or, or in those tournaments with the middle tier guys, which would end up being like the Hattons and the Fitzpatricks and, you know, whoever just kind of pushing him out of the cut and pushing him out of contention. I think Hoygaard is one of those guys. I don't know what his betting number is. Um, I think he's, I'd, I'd be willing to speculate on him there. He is, uh, let's see. 
He is 45 to one. It's a good number. Decent number. If you look at just raw strokes gained, uh, so obviously we've got different tours to compare against, but raw strokes gained, Terrell Hatton over the last 36 rounds is the best player in this field. Hoygaard's number two. 1.35. 1.35. Akshay is four. Is three. Ricky Fowler is is four. Uh, if you go with a weighted route, you're going to get a, a a little knock for Hoygaard. He becomes like 25th or something like that. But still, I think there's plenty of upside in the tank. And, and just just to call out his value in the betting market, and and I haven't like assessed every single player, but he's at 45 to one, whereas. Like a guy like Christian Bezidenhut is 55 to one, and he's he's priced a lot higher than him. Cam sure. Davis is 50 to one, priced a lot higher than him. So Aaron Rye, where's Aaron Rye? Oh, okay, we haven't gotten there yet. Um, Aaron Rye, for the record, is 55 to one. But yeah, clearly the, the market likes Hoygaard better than a lot of the guys that are three $400 uh, higher priced than him. You want to go back to JJ? Go back to JJ's yeah. pawn? Sure. 3-0 out of his group last week, uh, gets knocked out in the round of 16, obviously the defending champion, ha- had a little bit of a rough patch from Farmers to the Players' Championship, but his the start to his season was was great. He was making a lot of cuts. He was playing really, really well, and then obviously uh, still possesses the skill set that we think should be great around TPC San Antonio. He kind of embodied it last year. Yeah, and it's, it's hard to assess when J.J. Spawn is really going to pop. I have a feeling, in spite of the fact that he was last year's champ that he's just not going to get a lot of ownership even though he like flashed a little bit at the match play i just think people are going to be more interested in dropping down to norn or griffin or just popping up to matt kuchar chris kirk who are only three four hundred dollars more than him so i actually think spawn's going to get lower ownership i'm not sure it's going to matter to me and i might have misspoke when i said yeah sure let's go back to him but i was just really just talking about talking about him i'm not sure i'm there with spawn unless his ownership number is projected to be very low. Anybody else in this 8K range? Oh, I mean, I don't mind Thomas Dietrich here, by the way. Finished 8th in Punta Cana. Eighth in Punta Cana. He's been playing well in general. Um, I don't mind Thomas Dietrich, but any anybody else here? I'd prefer Cameron Davis over Thomas Dietrich. I, I'm yeah. pretty sure I'm not playing Thomas Dietrich. I think I'd at least consider playing Cameron Davis and just hoping that he's really, truly starting to find um, – some resemblance of his his previous game by previous i mean last year yeah and you know it, it, <laughs> this might be a stretch but he told us that he wasn't feeling well it, like if if i want to chalk up five straight missed cuts to him not feeling well great now i don't know if i could i don't know how fair that is to throw out five consecutive tournaments but uh otherwise he's been awesome played well at the players he played uh, played decently well at the match play didn't get out of his group but it's getting better yeah, I'll say it again. If there was a tournament for somebody to emerge out of nowhere because their strokes gain metrics just look awful, which this looks pretty awful outside of some of the short game stuff, it would be this tournament with, a, with a, again, a watered down field. So, like, I guess the point I'm making is it wouldn't sh- it wouldn't surprise me at all if all of a sudden we saw Cameron Davis top five this tournament because he's not having to go up against an extremely talented field. And he's got that he doesn't have the name recognition right now. So he feels like a smart play because I don't think people are going to be willing to play Cameron Davis. Okay. Um Go down to the sevens. The seven thousand dollar range starts with Aaron Rye, Brendan Todd, Andrew Putnam, Sam Ryder, and goes down to a bunch of guys in the seven K range. A couple notables: Akshay, Batia, Harry Hall, Lee Hodges. So, how do we want to start spending here in the sevens? 
So I put like six names down, which is, you know, a little too many. Uh, I think Aaron Rye is interesting. I don't know what to do with Aaron Rye because typically when I play a guy that is just ball striking it, and by the way, he's third weighted tee to green over his last 24 rounds. He was 29th here last year. But when the putter is this bad, it usually doesn't go well for me. Like this entire year, I've been kind of avoiding guys that have been incredible ball strikers and just have failed with the putter. And it's it's working out kind of well. So I want to mention him because I think the upside is there. But the putter has just been such a disaster that I, maybe you can convince me one way or the other. But I just don't think I can get there with Aaron Rye. Well... I'm kind of just looking through his similarly priced peers here. You know, he played well 29th year last year. Let's do a deeper dive on Aaron Rye. Oh boy. Yeah, that's a lot of a lot of red there. You got to do a lot of great work to out hit a, a minus four, a minus five putter. And there is not a lot of evidence that he can do that. Not it's not like he's not gonna have good results or decent results, but to win all the money, to finish inside the top ten, that path is that that path is pretty narrow. It's pretty narrow. And I went back to 2021 and, you know, his historically his putter hasn't been this bad. So it could be just one of those things where, you know, this is the classic case of, hey, if Aaron Rye can be a zero putter, he's probably going to top 10 this thing. And, and that's actually true. But I'm just not convinced that he's going to be a zero putter. But I will say from a DFS standpoint, even though I, I have been largely avoiding the really bad putters, I do think he's a special case where the upside is there. And that's because of the weighted tee to green numbers, again, third over the last 24 rounds. Other guys I'm interested in it's more in the mid to low 7k range i like nick taylor so do i yeah i mean the metrics are are kind of up and down but top 10 weighted t to green over the last 24 rounds he can get it done around the green yeah um again this is kind of like a pale ish greg ducharme special i mean we see some green in there but nick taylor at 7600 uh he makes sense to me i i wonder what the upside is with nick taylor well but I mean, it, he's got go he's got three top tens in his last eight or nine starts I, yeah. I mean, that's that's way more upside than a lot of these other guys. No, that's totally true. Uh, 100% fair. Four more guys to mention. I'm just going to mention a couple of them and maybe get comments on one of them in particular from you. And that's Garrett Kigo, who I'm just – I don't know what to do with. Sam Stevens, I think, is interesting at 7,400. Um, second in the field, last 24 rounds, weighted greens in regulation. I like that. I think he was pretty good last week um, over at the Corrales. And he's just one of those guys that's been flashing a little bit. I think in this field, he could potentially do some damage at low ownership. Will Gordon at 7,200, just a guy I like. I'm not so sure he's the best course fit here, but I think it's 7,200. He's actually underpriced and he has plenty of upside. The last guy I'll mention, Ben Martin. I- I've been on this guy the entire year for better or for worse. Great ball striking. The weighted T degree numbers are really good. He's an accurate driver, can spike with the putter. Wow. Uh, made last three cuts. It made the last three cuts here. Now, granted, those those weren't high finishes, but this is also, I think, a different Ben Martin, too. So. Yeah, he's he's playing so well. Five yeah. five straight cuts made three top 13s in his last five. Pebble Beach, Honda, Punta Cana. Mm-hmm. Um Yes, this is a pretty strong stat profile here from Ben Martin. Much better than some of these other dweebs. I was going to say <laughs> <laughs> I do like Eric Kigo because I think it's clear that he's treading in the right direction and yeah. he has that ceiling. But I'll tell you what, man, this ben, this is Ben Martin profile. I might have to go back to this. This is – this is pretty darn good. I don't know what else I would even ask for out of this. You know, the, he's, got, the he's got the ability to spike with the putter. 
He's mm-hmm. not going to kill you in any one area. He's been solid in the ball striking categories. The results, the results are following the 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 good stats. This is how much is he? Seven thousand seventy one hundred. Wow, it's basically a misprice, and and I think I think everybody's going to catch up to that a little bit. I think he's going to be somewhat. I mean, I don't think he's going to be like twelve percent owned or anything, but I think he's going to be somewhat popular. But I think it's for good reason. I, I think this is chalk. I'd probably be willing to eat. And for the record, he's eighty to one to win the tournament. I don't think it's out of the question. I actually had him outright last week at Corrales, and he didn't close there, so the odds of him closing here are, are low. But in terms of a top twenty, maybe just a, a random long shot outright. I think Ben Martin is live for sure. Okay, we nailed most of the guys that I would have liked to talk about. The only other one or two that I'll throw out there, Eric Van Royen, since the start of the year, has been playing much better, finished 10th at Valspar, finished 14th two years ago, the last time he played this event. That's interesting. But, man, I can't stop thinking about that Ben Martin. Um <laughs> Oh, and then Akshay. Akshay is just an absolute electric factory, right? So he's seven thousand dollars. Even he went. I think he went seventy two sixty two or seventy three sixty three on Thursday and Friday last week after getting into that field late. Um, This dude can fill it up. Also, if you're like partaking in showdown, he's like a showdown. He just feasts. He just absolutely feasts. I don't know if you're going to get four rounds out of him, but you're going to get like he's going to shoot the round of the week once or twice. You're probably right. And hopefully it's <laughs> hopefully you're right. Like it's a Thursday or a Friday. So he makes the cut because yeah, that's <laughs> again, the problem. Yeah. There's volatility there. But that doesn't mean he's a bad DFS play, obviously. I I don't think I'm gonna get to Akshay, but I think he's a pretty smart play, to be honest. Six thousand dollar range starts with Adam Long, Austin Smotherman, amongst others, Pearson Cootie, Mark Hubbard. The min price golfers for this week's Valero Texas Open include some good names here. Uh, Davis Love the Third, JB Holmes, Kyle Stick. Okay, how is Kyle Stanley still getting into events? I don't actually. I have no idea. I, am I actually going to have to look up Kyle Stanley's like <laughs> exemption status? I, I wanted to bring it up like months ago, and <laughs> and I like Kyle Stanley so much that I didn't want the alarm bells to go off. Like, oh yeah, that's you right. You didn't want anybody to find out like that he's been like <laughs> he gaming the system here. somehow. <laughs> Oh boy, let's see if I, they cha- the PGA Tour changed their website. So now, oh, he's on a major medical. Okay, interesting. So he has status through the end of the calendar year, uh, okay. which I guess is just through the end of the season. Because well, no, I guess I'll go into next season. Um, wow. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah, he has not been. He has not been great. Okay. Um, how do we want to go through the six thousand dollar range? Pretty tough range. I, I think there's some shots you can take. I mean, it, it's so it's so kind of unnerving. I don't want to use the word sad because these guys are 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 crushing it if they're all in these PGA Tour events. But there's so many names down here that I'm like, man, these guys just never like got to that next level. Like I see Doug Gim down here. Uh, interesting to see Dylan Fratelli down here. Matthew Naismith, who I think a lot of people were expecting a lot out of over the last year Dude, or so. Imagine if that season never ended. He was red hot to finish yeah. the season, and he was on the verge of winning something and mm-hmm. then he took five weeks off imagine if he could have just like got hot last summer and could have kept this stuff rolling it just it just never happened for him 
Yeah, this happens to a lot of people. Hank Lebiota is one of those guys that was on fire. Then he had to withdraw from a tournament um, because to attend to his father. And uh, he truly hasn't been the same since. We've seen some flashes of my favorite golfer, Hank Lebiota. But the only, you know, there's a few guys that I'm moderately interested in here. But again, I think you could take shots on a, a lot of different guys here. I think some of these guys might emerge. But Augusto Nunez at 6,700. I don't hate him. Um, I, I kind of like how how the play has been, at least from a finishing position standpoint, T26 cut, T15, and then he's got that T48 there. You know, the numbers, they're not great, and the putter is is going to be a problem. So I guess I'm going to have to be off him. If I'm making the argument that I'm going to be off team no putt this week, I I don't think I can. You you could do a lot worse. He's uh, He can mash the ball. He's got a good team there with his his looper. He's made five out of six cuts on the tour, T26 in Punta Cana, T15 in Puerto Rico. So loves these kind of like uh, weaker fields if he can go out there and, and put it all together. I think you could do a lot worse than that. I'll tell you what, a guy that I'd probably pivot to, it's in this, like the, the three guys I have are all 6,700. Uh, Kevin Chappell hasn't really been on the radar for quite some time, but yeah, he's playing better. Exactly. And he he also has good history here. So this might be one of those where, you know, Kevin Chappell's thinking to himself, this is my shot to kind of like put myself on the back on the map at least a little bit. So uh, the finishing positions, like, like you said, yeah. Corrales T16, Puerto Rico T15, Honda Classic, which, you know, had some people in it, T29. Yeah, that broke a streak of six consecutive missed cuts. Um, so seemingly getting it getting it right and then he won this event in i want to say 17 is that right yeah 2017 had a runner-up finish in 2011 i know that was a long time ago he had a t4 the year before he won he had a t18 last year so he's been playing well at this event for a pretty long time right and then the final guy troy Merritt. i'm not much of a troy Merritt guy but he's again he's 6700 and i couldn't ignore his history here and because i'm just looking for you know discounted golfers here i i thought troy Merritt at 6700 maybe he can recapture some of that form and that putter's been really bad too but again he's been really good here the ball striking it's not trending well right now but i mean he he has had he's been able to rattle off a few in a row with decent ball striking let me throw out a guy for you Kazuki Higa. Yeah, I looked at him. So uh, I, I I have six tours on rickrungood.com. The Asian tour is one of them. I don't have the Japanese tour, which I, maybe I should start. He's got two wins, one on the Asian tour, one on the Japanese tour since September. He played in the Zozo in October. Uh, beat half the field there. He made the cut at the Sony to turn to start the new year. Finished thirteenth at an Asian event uh, in February. A T eleven in Thailand and a T four at the Hero Indian Open in his last three. Uh, he is the eighty first ranked player in the world. Wow, that I did not know. Yeah, I mean these metrics are are awesome. I, I understand a lot of it's not the PGA Tour, but some of it is. Uh, this is pretty good. I, I, this is I, if I'm ranking the plays that we've talked about in the 6K, I, I said three. This guy's this guy's certainly number one there. Yeah, worth worth taking a taking a peep at. He's sixty nine hundred dollars. I will also say guys that drive it accurately and keep it in play, like Lucas Glover, are interesting. Mm-hmm. And Lucas Glover is trying to get that game back into shape. He's he's made three of his last five cuts. You look at his history around here, and uh, you've got some f- good stuff in the last three trips. T eighteen, fourth place finish. T fourteen. So if there was kind of a place where Glover could pop off again you think this could be a spot i think we talked about the other guy oh i i'm i want to give ryan gerard one one more shot at this i'm kind of mad at him 
because yeah, I think I, a lot of people are. Yeah. Well, I didn't realize how, how chalky he was going to be at Corral. So I only played one lineup at Corral. So it was the $100 single entry. I just, that's just decided just to play one lineup because I didn't do as much research as I wanted to do. But obviously, Ryan Gerard's been playing really well. I had five of my guys make the cut, and Gerard just wasn't even close. But I don't know why he wasn't close. So, I mean, again, I didn't really watch that event too much. Um, I like him, though. I think we're just going to learn a lot. Right. What version of Ryan Gerard are we getting? Mm-hmm. The the red hot guy who Monday cues into Honda and it turns it into a, a fourth place finish and then parlays that into a T11 at Puerto Rico or the guy who finished T71 at Valspar and missed the cut at Punta Cana. Like what version are we going to get? And I think for $6,600 or $6,400, $6,600. Yeah. Like that's that's a risk I'm willing to take. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, can you look up Grayson Sig real quick? Because I didn't get a chance to look at him. And he's actually made the cut the last two years, the only two years I believe he's played here. I'm not sure what happened to this guy. He was kind of on my radar some time ago, and he's just really, really fallen off. Yeah, he's just like kind of making cuts. When he does make cuts, it's nothing spectacular. There's not a, a, an elite skill set anywhere. There's also yeah. not a super hard – I guess his short game's pretty weak, but like he's just a – I don't know, average, he's either slightly below average to average PGA tour player who can get it going some weeks, but he's going to struggle and he's going to be incredibly difficult to predict. That's kind of the hard part with these guys. I don't care if you're like an average PGA tour player, but like if you foreshadow the way you play or you're consistent in some areas or you play well on courses that you should, those guys are still easier to handicap. Grayson Sig, almost impossible to handicap. (laughs) Very true. Agree. I'm not playing him. Fair. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Anybody else? I don't think so. I I like your Higa play. I think of of the 6K guys I mentioned, I think I'm going to be most willing to take a chance on Kevin Chappell. Yeah. You know what? I wrote him up in Golf Digest as like a fade. And then like now I'm kind of warming on him a little bit. For this week? Yeah. Listen, I mean (laughs) – this is the 6K range. He could he could be, you know, plus 15 by, by the end of round one. I'm, I'm joking, of course, but like this, you, you might be really right or you might be really wrong. I, I just think that like sometimes the past champions get too much credit. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it, it, it turns into something that it shouldn't. And I saw those like six missed cuts in a row or whatever. And I was like, man, this kind of stinks. And then I, then I was l- looking at it later and I was thinking, well, it hasn't been as bad recently. Maybe he found something and uh, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, Andrew Landry is down here as a past champion too. I'm wrong a lot. It's fine. It's okay. Like if I'm wrong on Kevin Chappell, I don't think anybody's going to (laughs) care. Yeah. Nobody's going to be like, I can't believe what Rick said about Kevin Chappell. It's pretty fair. (laughs) Um, Okay. Let us suspend all logic and reason and enter the strokes gate narrative portion of the show where we curate lineups by you, the fans, the listeners, the viewers. Hit subscribe and you send us lineups based on any remarkable narrative that you can come up with. And I believe we have four for this week. So let's see the first slide, please. Brent Harris, who how dare he did not perform this himself. He says it's it's a busy fourth quarter of the school year. Give me a break, Brent. Give me a break, Brent. Try to bring it next time. Um, his song seems to be a song 
Is it to the tune of Deep in the Heart of Texas? Is that the... Yes. and I'm assuming that's a country music song that a lot of people know and a lot of people probably don't know, but that's what I gather here. Deep in the Heart of Texas. If Brent thinks I'm reading this after he came on and gave it to us last week, he's out of his mind. So I'm not, but thank you, Brent. It seems very (laughs) good. I don't know that song. Uh, I can read that. Oracle at Tita Green's. Valero has been the golden ticket to Augusta. Oh, Willy Wonka presents Charlie and the Chocolate Factory Hoffman. I like where this is going. Mm -hmm. Grandpa Joe Bramlett. Willy Wonka Gordon. Dylan Woompa Loompa. Woompa Loompa. Sorry. Don't Stuart sink into the river of chocolate and Nikolai Hoy guard the secret recipe of the everlasting Gob stopper. Hey, let, let me ask you something. By the way, good stuff, Oracle uh, Tita Greens. Um, Dylan Wu, I thought was in this tournament, but it turns out he's not. It's it's Brandon he Wu that's in was it, right? In the original run, uh, I think he was in the original field on Friday, and I don't know if he just withdrew or what. I mean, that's not super uncommon, but yes, the first run of this on Friday, Dylan, both Dylan and Brandon Wu were in the field. Dylan Wu is no longer in the field. Do you remember when I thought they were brothers? Yeah. It's pretty embarrassing. I had to set you straight there. You did. I'm glad you uh, did. The Hoy guards are actually brothers. Yes. And they're actually twins, I believe. That I didn't know. I knew they were brothers. I didn't know they were twins. I'm pretty sure they're twins. Ah, oh, crap. Now I got to look it up. Because <laughs> I don't want to spread. Nikolai and Rasmus Hoy guard. They are twins. Identical twins. 21-year-old identical twins um, from Denmark. Yes. There you go. Okay, next slide. Ryan, the fantasy bunker, says Valero ranks. Ooh, I like where we're going already. Valero ranks number 30 in the Fortune 500. Here are a few others inside the top 250. I love a good crossover to like the business side of things. Yes. Grayson Cigna, 12th. Cigna is the 12th biggest company in the that's what the fortune 500 is right the 500 biggest yes. companies mm-hmm. Cigna's number 12 insurance companies scott pierce cvs cvs is number four that cannot be right <laughs> first of all that's it's a really clever name scott pierce cvs it is wow okay so cvs health Oh, because that's uh, that they're they're an insurance company as well. It's yeah, not just own, the it's not yeah. the brick and mortar only. Right, right, right. right a lot of right. people have insurance through uh, CVS. Wow. Right, sorry to doubt you, Ryan. Okay, C Uber Kim, very good. Uber C Woo Kim Uber number two ten. Kevin Ch- Apple. This says number thirty, but I see it as number three. So maybe maybe Ryan added a little. He must have. Apple's not number thirty. That that doesn't make any sense. No way. James. Amazon, Han, <laughs> Amazon, Amazon, number two. And the Hank of America, Lee Biotta, uh, he's an alternate, but he's in there, number 36. Okay, so yeah, how many of the top 10 companies in the Fortune 500 could you name? Uh, I mean, I, I would probably be really, really bad at this. Well, I know, know I can know name at them. least three Amazon, Apple, and CVS. There you go. They are number two, three, and four. I I mean, I'm trying to think of who number one is. Yeah, this is a little bit surprising to me, actually. 
I mean, I get it's not that surprising. I would have thought they were in the top ten, but number one, I I think it's a little bit surprising. Uh, it's Walmart is number one. Oh, wow. Yeah, which I I did not. I guess I did not realize. Um, Alphabet, which is Google, is number eight. Oh, okay. Uh, then you get like United Health, Exxon Mobil, Berkshire Hathaway. Whatever McKesson is, I've never heard of McKesson. McKesson is a is a third party manufacturer of uh, pharmaceutical drugs. There you go. So basically, if you're in insurance or pharmaceuticals or oil or technology, which is a lot of different things, you're going to be somewhere um, scratching the surface of the top ten, top one hundred. What about if you're a golf podcast? <laughs> yes. Well, I'm sure that's like five hundred one. <laughs> that's my guess. And then rounding out the top ten, Amerisource Bergen. Which again, I don't know what that is. I'm uh, guessing that's insurance related as well, or medical, pharmaceutical distribution solutions and manufacturing. I guess. Yeah. Mm. All right. Well, there you go. We learned a little something today. John Markowski will close us out here. Valero is quote sandwiched between the match play and the Masters. That is correct. So here are a handful of sandwiches. Oh, okay. <laughs> Andrew Putnam butter and jelly. Ben, Taylor ham, egg, and cheese. Aaron, <laughs> pastrami on rye. That's pretty good. Benny, Italian sub with extra gabagool. Chez steak, <laughs> one whiz with. One with one whiz with. And James, meatball, parma, shahan. <laughs> James Hahn makes it into every narrative lineup, by the way. He does. Uh, by the way, there's a lot of Taylors. Can you name the four Taylors that are in the Valero? Um, yes. Nick Taylor, mm-hmm. uh, Taylor Montgomery. Uh, hold on. <laughs> I, 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 I typed in Taylor earlier and saw it. Nick Taylor, Taylor Montgomery. Well, not one of Taylor the, Moore. One of them's in Markowski's uh, in his narrative, by the way. Ben Taylor. Yes. <laughs> and there's another – is there a second Taylor last name? No, he's the first name, and he played at Corrales last week and was pretty awful. Heavy know. hitter. Tell me. Taylor Pendrith. Oh, I should have known. I should Interesting have known. note on Ben Taylor. He, he was T5 at the Honda Classic. <laughs> he lost almost three strokes ball striking, and he gained nine with the putter. And he's gained, let's see, two, four, five tournaments in a row with the putter in very significant ways. But the ball striking has been horrific, which is weird because the ball striking was great before that. So he's one of those guys that if he just finds his ball striking, like he wins this tournament if he marries that with the uh, with the putter. Golf Somebody is weird. Golf is Golf very, is very weird. OK. Anything else before we get out of here? Um, no. I, I'm going to go apply for a job uh, for uh, right? some, some sort of pharmaceutical related job, perhaps in the manufacturing end. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I learned a lot today. Uh, all right. Well, we'll be back on Tuesday for the mega preview pod. The link in the description is uh, there right now for the fans to get their one and done selection in. That one and done is heating up. It's getting tighter by the minute. Mark is not making any money. We're all closing the gap on him. It's actually the most competitive it's been all year is right now, which is fun. And we'll be back Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Wait, what time? What time is the mega preview tomorrow? Five. So I have time. Five Eastern. 
Five Eastern. Okay. Two Pacific. <laughs> Roger that. Four Central. I got okay. this. Um, my pick is already in, actually. For the first time, I've submitted it on a Monday. I just said, I, I got the email and I said, you know what? I'm, I know who I'm picking. I'm just going to put it in. Ben Taylor. Ben Taylor. Got exactly right. Big thanks to Bruce Detroit is all the hard work behind the scenes. See you available on Twitter at see You can find me at Rick run. Good. This has been the first cut. We'll catch you next time. Producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.